I, uh, to Joyce for getting her hopes up. And I want to thank PJ for clearing it up. Those of you who aren't up to date with the nicknames around here, that's kind of what we go by. And just for full disclosure, I am a tag also. So, <laughs> Unfortunately, we had a conflict yesterday and weren't able to make the reunion, but we were there a couple years ago and uh, really enjoyed it. So it is a blessing to catch up. And it is interesting to think about what PJ said. You know, if someone would have made a left instead of a right or a right instead of a left, I wouldn't be standing here today. But the blessing is that God is sovereign and he is in control of all of that and he has ordained it and he has blessed it. And I praise our creator God for that and what a blessing that is. So yes, again, we do welcome the visitors this morning and glad to have you sharing with us. As we continue our study in the book of Galatians, we're going to be continuing in chapter 6. But to start the discussion this morning, to start our time together here this morning, I want to ask a question. How do you know when you're physically sick? How do you know when you have some sort of ailment within your body? Uh, We have different uh, red flags, don't we? might be your temperature. You know, our standard temperature of our bodies as human beings is 98.6. And if that raises, we can kind of feel that and then ultimately we can take our temperature and see if that's the issue. Um... Sometimes if we have pain in our bodies, you know, God designed us before the fall that we were, we were pain-free, we were, we were perfect, and we were absent of those results of the fall of sickness, of death, and when we have a pain that causes us to try to investigate what's causing that pain. Today, we want to talk about our spiritual health, and we want to talk about how we monitor our spiritual health a little bit. And we want to do that as we look at Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 3. He says, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord. I thank you for this text, Lord. I thank you for how your scripture so lovingly gives us practical examples of how to live a life walking with you, Father. God, I just pray that you would guide us through this text this morning. Lord, God, show us what you have for us in this text, how it reveals your nature to us, how it reveals your plan for us, God. I just pray for open hearts and open minds, Lord. I thank you. We're hearing our prayers here this morning, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as you see in your sermon notes, we broke, I've broken these verses down into three different areas. And the first thing we want to look at is the condition, the condition that Paul's identifying in this text. He says, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, that's the condition, someone who thinks they're something when they're nothing. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 12. It says, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. We've referenced the story before about the Pharisee and the tax collector, and it is relevant again here this morning. Remember, The Pharisee is in his prayers. He says, thank you that I am not like the tax collector. 
I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get. And you remember, he held himself up because he did these things. Now I want to refer back to last week's message just a little bit. And you say, well, Kevin, last week you told us that we need to do these things. We need to participate in the spiritual disciplines. I want to tell you this morning that need in that circumstance wasn't probably the best choice of words. And I want to clarify that a little bit this morning. You see, there's power and there's blessing in the spiritual disciplines. The reality is that you cannot perform the spiritual disciplines under your own willpower. You can for a time, but it will wear you out. It will break you down. It will crush you. It will defeat you. You remember, Paul spent the entire letter to the Galatians telling us that fact. Telling us that it's by the Spirit, it's by grace that we accomplish what we do in our spiritual lives. And the reality is, we should be exercising the spiritual disciplines. And looking at the spiritual disciplines, often we look at them and compare them to the physical. You know, when we read our Bible, when we pray, when we do any of the the list of the spiritual disciplines that are mentioned in the Bible, they have benefits for us. Just like physical exercise and eating right has physical benefits for our bodies. The spiritual disciplines have spiritual benefits for us. They have spiritual health. They provide us with some spiritual health. And remember back in verse 1 where we had this discussion last week, Paul says to keep watch. And remember who he was speaking to. He was speaking to those who were spiritual. Those who are spiritual. Those who have been there. Those who have known the power of walking in faith. Walking by grace. That's who Paul was talking to. You yourselves have experienced, if you are a spiritual person, if you have come to a point of maturity within your faith, you have experienced the, the blessing of walking in the spiritual disciplines, the blessing of reading, the blessing of praying, the blessing of being in fellowship with your God. Another way I want to look at the disciplines this morning is as symptoms. And this is why I say we should be participating in the spiritual disciplines. Think about it. Remember, we talked about temperature in the opening. We said that our normal body temperature is 98.6. We talked about that we should be pain-free when everything's working properly. Well, the reality is, when we are in tune with the Spirit, we should be reading our Bible. We should be in prayer. And we should be participating in, in a number of the spiritual disciplines in varying degrees. Maybe you've never fasted in your life. We talked about that last week with fasting. It's not something you need to do, have to do. But when you're in tune with the Spirit, I encourage you to ask God to show you what He asks you to do, what He has for you for the purpose of maturing you and giving you a healthy spiritual life. You see, when we're not doing those things, when we're keeping watch upon ourselves, we need to identify, well, I'm not reading my Bible. I'm not praying. I'm not talking to God. But the answer is not to read more. The answer is not to pray more. You see, that's like treating a fever with Tylenol. Eventually, if the fever was caused by an infection, that Tylenol is not going to stop the infection. That bacterial infection is going to overcome you. And if we treat 
our lack of discipline by forcing ourselves to perform the disciplines, then that bacteria in our spirit, the bacteria of unbelief, will overcome us. But when we go back to the root of the problem and we ask God, Lord, help our unbelief. Lord, help us to believe. Help us to trust you. I see by these symptoms that I'm not trusting you. Whatever they may be, whatever they may look like in your life, treat them as symptoms. Yes, they have blessings. As we said, just like exercise and eating right have blessings for your physical body. Reading scripture, praying, fasting, all of these disciplines have benefits in our spiritual life. But when we are not doing those things, I encourage you to look at them as symptoms to the real problem, the, symptom, the problem of unbelief, the infection of unbelief in your life. And I encourage you to ask God to help you by His grace because you cannot do it under your own willpower. Because if you read Scripture empty of the Holy Spirit, it won't mean anything to you. If you try to pray, you'll get weary of it. You'll get discouraged. You will, get, you will just give up. But when you ask God to help you by His grace to carry you through those disciplines, they will, you will reap benefits from them just like you would in your physical with exercise and a diet. So that's what I want to encourage you with this morning. You see, the danger is thinking that you did it. If you're boasting about how much you read or how much you pray, just like the Pharisee, there's danger in that. You become conceited like the tax collector did conceited is thinking you're doing it under your own strength and under your own power on your under your own abilities and you will come to the end of yourself and that's what paul is warning the galatians about in this letter not to think more highly of yourself not to think so much of yourself because of what you've accomplished and in this case in the disciplines as we're talking about this morning in reading and praying but to understand that it's God working in your heart through your trust and belief in Him. That is the problem. Now we want to look at the task, the task that Paul is laying before us. Well, first of all, how do you know when you're conceited? Well, Paul says, let each one test his own work. How do you test something? How do you test if something is the way it should be? Well, you have to have a baseline. We talked about the physical body and the illnesses this morning. Our baseline for our temperature is 98.6. So we test our temperature based on that. If it varies from that temperature, then we know that there's a problem. If we have pain in our bodies, that's a test to know that there's a problem. It helps us to narrow down where the problem is when we locate the source, the area of the pain. We have to calibrate things, don't we, in order to test things. Those thermometers that we use to test our temperature, they're calibrated compared to a base temperature, a, a device that, it, that is correct, that they base that temperature off of. I don't know how many of you know, but about five years ago, I participated in a medical study, an experiment, basically, where they injected a serum... Uh, it was called a vector virus into my right eye and it carried a healthy copy of the gene that is defective in my eyes that causes my low vision in an attempt to restore that gene that produces a protein that keeps 
my retina healthy? Well, that's a long way around to get to the point of when I started that study, Amanda and I had to go out to Philadelphia the first time, and they didn't do any treatments the first time. The sole purpose of that visit was to do all of the realm of tests that they would repeat over and over the next five years because they needed a baseline. They needed to know where my vision was at that point in time so that when they treated my eye, they could see if there was any improvement or if there was any damage or just a variance from where it was at because if they didn't have that baseline, they would have no way of knowing if there was improvement. They would have no way of knowing if the treatment was effective. You see, when Paul says we need to test ourselves, we need a baseline. Our baseline is Christ. You see, the baseline of my eyes is like, yeah, my right eye is better than it was. But that's not saying much. But Paul's encouraging us to test ourselves against Christ. Against the ultimate baseline. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, Paul says, Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. You see, there's only one spiritual baseline, and it's not each other. It's our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what we're supposed to be comparing ourselves, testing ourselves against spiritually. And when you're keeping watch, you need to ask yourself, this is where I was. When you are a spiritual person, this is where I was. Why am I not there anymore? Why am I backing off on my reading? What, what, what falsehood, what lie am I believing? Bring that to the cross and ask God to help you with it. Don't try to do it under your own strength, your own power. Don't just try to get there. Get to the source of the problem. Paul goes on to say, test yourself that you will have a reason to boast. So he's told us how to test ourselves. And he says if we, if we basically pass the test, then we have a reason to boast. Well, I thought boasting was bad. I thought that was pride. I thought this wasn't a good thing. When we tell our children, stop boasting. We tell ourselves sometimes, we catch ourselves, oh, we're boasting, we're kind of full of ourselves. Isn't that what we say? Well, if you look at the root word behind the word boast, in its essence, it means rejoice. He says, test yourself so that you can rejoice. He's encouraging us, Paul's encouraging us to boast or rejoice in our spiritual maturity. Not in what we have accomplished in our spiritual maturity. That's not Paul's point. But in what Christ has accomplished in us by His grace and by His power. That's what Paul is encouraging us to rejoice in. Not in how we rank compared to other Christians. You see, that's the natural tendency of our hearts. We feel pretty good if we're above this person. Right? No, He wants us to rejoice in how we resemble the nature of God. He wants to be challenged in the areas where we don't resemble the nature of God. He doesn't want us to be condemned by those areas, but He wants us to be challenged. He wants us to be motivated in those areas. But He wants us to rejoice in the areas where we resemble the nature of God because of what Christ has done in us. 
That's what he wants us to boast in. And we have a right to boast in that because we didn't do it. We have a right to rejoice in that because God did it. So, we understand the test. Now we want to look at the task. The task that is before us. You see, we have a task before us. Paul says, for each will have to bear his own load. You say, wait a minute, Kevin. Paul just told us in verse 2 to bear one another's burdens. And in some translations, that word load and burdens are translated the same, but they are two different Greek words. Bear is the same word. To carry it, basically. That's the same word in those two verses. But burden and load are two different Greek words just as they appear in the ESV. You see, a burden is something that is more than our portion, more than we are able to carry. A burden is something that will break us down, that will crush us. That's in its essence what a burden is. And it's more than God intends for us to bear. It's not God's desire to break us down. It's not God's desire to crush us or destroy us. But our load, as we see in verse 5, our load is our portion. It's what God is asking us to do because He knows we can bear. We all have a load to bear. And God knows because He created us, because He ordained it for us, that we can bear it when we trust in Him. When we put our full faith in Him, He will not give us more than we can bear. He loves us that much. Remember, we're all parts of the body. We are all feet, hands, arms, legs, ears, nose, mouths of the body of Christ. We all have a purpose that is ordained by Christ to to perform within the body of Christ. That is our load. And we don't mean the word load in some detrimental form. It is our portion. It is what God is asking us to perform out of love for Him. And He will not have us do it on our own. Those of you who were at the funeral on Friday, we spoke out of Matthew chapter 11. I want to look at starting at verse 29 this morning. Christ says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, And my burden is light. You see, the yoke isn't the load itself. The yoke is the means to bear the load. Christ is saying, take the yoke of ritual, of ceremony, the yoke of having to do it under your own understanding, your own physical abilities, your own knowledge. Cast that yoke aside. And Christ is saying, take my yoke. And I will help you bear your load. He says, I will bear it for you. He says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Because he loves us that much. You see, he gives us the means to move our portion, to move our load. When he offers to give us his yoke, for us to put his yoke upon us. That's the gift that Christ gives us. So that means that our circumstances in life, they won't necessarily change. But we can face them in the very nature of God. We can face them in His hope, in His peace, in His love, in His mercy, in His self-control. 
And we're not totally slaves to the works of the flesh, to what comes out of our sin nature. We have, the, we have the ability by taking his yoke to face the trials and tribulations of this life by the very nature of God. That's the gift that he has for us. You see, God sent his son, Jesus, to die, to be resurrected in victory over death so that we don't have to do it. He took our sins to the cross. He took the consequences to the cross and buried them and rose in victory over death to give us a yoke to carry our burdens, to carry our load. Not a yoke to destroy us and to crush us, but a yoke to put a bounce in our step, to give us peace, to give us strength. That's the blessing that he has in store for us. And that's why we want to test ourselves, not in our own strength, but to test that we are putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the one who died and was resurrected to give us that ability. You see, the reality is when we don't carry our load, when we don't put our trust in the yoke that Jesus has for us, when we don't carry the portion that is ours, we put burdens on other people as a result of our choices. We can't carry our load when we're not taking Christ's yoke. We were not using his means to move the load. Because you see, part of our load, our portion, is to help others with their burdens. There are beautiful opportunities to evangelize, to minister to others when we walk alongside of them and help them with their burdens. Not under our own strength, not for our own glory, but by the grace of God. He will give us the strength to help bear each other's burdens. That's who our God is. You see, their burden is the portion of their load that is more than their load. It is more than they can bear. But they don't have to bear it because that's what the body of Christ is for, is to come along and help each other, to minister to each other, to carry each other. It all goes back to the relationship we were talking about last week. You see, when we boast in ourselves compared to others, when we use others as our standard, we struggle with helping them, don't we? Because when we use others as our standard, we have a certain amount of relief in thinking, oh, oh, I'm not the best, but I'm better than this person because look where they're at. So rather than looking to bring them up, in our hearts, we're content with leaving them where we are because it gives us a temporary level of peace, a temporary place of rest. And sadly, part of us wants to keep them where they are. I ask you this morning, what are you measuring yourself against? What is your standard? Does it make you feel good to compare yourself to others? Do you do the whole thing we just discussed about, oh, I'm okay because I'm better than this person. They're a lot worse off than I am and they're professing to be a Christian. Do we play that card? Who is your standard? What is your standard? Do you avoid spiritual people? Do you get uncomfortable with someone who you have deemed in your heart to be a spiritual person comes around? Do you not know what to say? Do you try to hide? Do you avoid them so you don't even cross their paths? Is it because that you're using people as your standard and you realize that the fruits you see in that person's life demonstrate their walk with Christ 
and you know that you're not there, so you feel condemned? Do you avoid people who you see as spiritual? Ask yourself that question this morning. You see, when our only measuring stick is Christ, we long to help others be all they can be in Christ. When our only measuring stick is Christ, when we see others more spiritual than us, quote unquote, when we feel that way, when we think that's the case, what do we do? We want to be with them. We want to learn from them. We want to feed off of them. We want to understand how they have the peace that they have. We want to understand why they have the joy that they have. We want to understand why they have that true expectant hope. We don't feel condemned by their state. We rejoice in the fact that God has brought them into our lives to help us, to walk alongside us, to have a relationship. That's who our God is. He wants the best for us. I ask you again, what is your baseline? What are you comparing yourself to? Are you comparing it to the person next to you in the pew? Are you comparing it to someone else in the church who you avoid because you know that you feel in your heart you don't measure up to them? Or are you using Christ as your measuring stick? Now Satan will try to lie to you and say, you can never be like Christ. Christ walked on this earth in in human form and he was perfect. He never failed. He never sinned. That's because he he is a deity. He is God. And he knows that as long as we live in these bodies and this fallen earth, we can't attain that. But he still holds it as a standard for us to long for, to desire, not to destroy us, not as Satan would try to tear us down and say, you may as well give up because you'll never get there. No, he holds it as a standard because he loves us and he wants that for us. Because he knows the peace, he knows the hope that is available to us when we are asking God to change our hearts, when we are living to be purified, when we are living to be made in the image of Jesus Christ. He has that high standard for us because He loves us that much. He doesn't want us to depend on ourselves. He doesn't want us to depend on how we rate compared to someone else. He has so much more for us. And he gives us the strength we need to live this life, to endure this life, to overcome this life. He knows the load is heavy at times. But he gives us everything we need to carry that load when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that the trials, the tribulations of this life will go away. But it, doesn't, it does mean we don't have to depend on ourselves to bear them, to overcome them. What a beautiful, beautiful gift that is when we truly understand and embrace that. I pray that you, each one, are using Christ as your standard this morning. I pray that you are rejoicing, that you are boasting in your spiritual status with God. Not for your own glory, for your own strength, but rejoicing in the fact that God did it. 
rejoicing in the fact that he wants to do it for each person that you come in contact with. That is my prayer for you this morning. Let's pray.